needed, of course, for us to rejoice, be glad in. You didn't make any days for us to be disappointed, sad, upset, anything like that, because that is from the kingdom of darkness. There is no darkness in you. And so we look to you, Lord, for leadership today. Teach us what you want us to know. Let us know what you have on your heart to speak to us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today, uh, God has a question for you, and, and this is a traditional kind of question that I've heard uh, uh, other ministers say that, that they have heard testimony that God asks everybody at, uh, when they, when He, uh, receives them at the throne after they leave this life. And the question is, did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Amen. That is the question. Um, there isn't quote unquote word for word scripture but it looks as though there are many scriptures that allude to this as being the primary purpose for our life down here on heaven you know if we were saved uh, just so we could go to heaven we'd be there already we get saved and immediately get translated up to heaven. But uh, if we're here, we're here for a purpose. And part of that purpose is, yeah, we have a lot of things that we're going to do for God. We're going to uh, pray for the sick, see them recover. We're going to preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to raise families. We're going to get education, have jobs, own property. A lot of different things we will possess. But we want to ask the question is, did God possess us in our journey while here we were here on this earth? And so in Matthew chapter 7, you see a conversation Jesus is having here talking about a tree is known by its fruit. Amen. He starts out there and, and it says in verse 17, Every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So we need to understand that, especially when we talk about uh, everything from from relationships, uh, people we might choose to marry or, you know, might be considering marrying, uh, where you send your children to school, where you spend your money, uh, who you vote for, who you support, what ministries you support and encourage. You must know those that you, you know, you must be a good judge of fruit. And so if fruit is something, and this is interesting, I know many people will do things uh, on impulse and, and be emotionally led. Uh, Brother Sum, uh, Summerall said, um, uh, he said that when he was over in Asia, he said everybody in the church tithed. They were um, very much given to uh, things that, they were taught to be honorable people. Uh, that this is in their culture to do things based on honor, and and so they felt to honor God. That was the way they honored Him. And He said to a person, pretty much everybody did. And He said when it came to America, He said, you know, you can't receive an offering over here the way you do there. He said because American people are moved emotionally in their giving. 
They're not moved by the deeper uh, spiritual fruit like honor, duty, uh, um, uh, you know, responsibility. Although those are those are culturally uh, very much ingrained in Asian. And Asian people are covenant people. They understand blood covenant to a large degree uh, in the Orient much more than we do here. And so um, it it just follows that. If you are going to judge where to give, how to give, all those kinds of things, you've got to observe people long enough to see fruit. So you can't be an impulsive giver. You know, I know people will sit in front of the TV and a preacher will say, well, you know, if you need an emergency breakthrough, send me so much money. And the money pours in to these people. And nobody ever sits back and says, first of all, you don't want to feel like you've been taken for a ride when you do that. So many times people don't tell the truth about those things. Maybe they may not give again uh, like that. But pretty much God has your finances designated and it's not some guy that pops up out of nowhere and tells you, you know, if you want to break through, send me this or you, you know, if you send me this and, and all this kind of stuff. And so we have to understand that God has designated everything that we possess for a certain purpose. And, and it's up to us to learn how to live in that purpose and, and be honor bound and duty bound and responsibility bound in the purpose of God. And so I know many times people want some of what they have to rub off on them. And that's really not why we give. You know, we give according to what the word says. Number one, God wants meat to be in his house. And so he wants you to support what supports you and feeds you, you know, regularly, not every now and then. And and when God sends you somewhere, he sends you there with your your abilities, your gifts, your talents, your talents, your possessions, everything. And so it's not that God doesn't understand what he's doing with us and something will pop up all of a sudden and, and you got to go over there and take care of that. But God wants us to be fruit inspectors. He really, really does. And he wants us to be able to judge uh, the fruit that comes forth in in a certain person's uh life and ministry uh to know whether God is with that person or not and if God is with that person is it your responsibility now to sow into that you, you understand what i'm saying i i'm saying this just to keep you understanding how God designates everything that that we have in our lives and there's no emergency situations that come up that he doesn't have already set aside and planned for you uh, to receive everything that you need. So what's an emergency to some persons is not that you don't have any emergencies in your life. God already has everything that you possess designated for a certain function and for a certain purpose. And so what he's looking to see is whether we're going to be faithful in that purpose and in that designation. So he says here, a tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. A good tree can't. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Sometimes we really don't understand how to judge fruit and how to judge what uh, people do and, and how faithful they are. Every tree that brings not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. 
Therefore, you'll know them by their fruits. Amen. You will know them by their fruits. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in their name? A prophecy is not fruit. You got me? Have we not cast out devils? That's not fruit. And in my name done many wonderful works. That's not fruit. And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Amen. says, therefore, whosoever hears this saying is of mine and does them, I will liken to him a Liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock, etc., etc. So what he's saying here, he's after something else other than what we can see and what we can judge as being a faithful servant of God. Now, it's wonderful that people are anointed by God and can do all the works of God in his name. But God is saying here that's not the fruit he's looking for. Amen. And so as much as we can, we need to be judges of fruit that remains and that God can see that he ordered and ordained that person to do the things that he's doing and that he is able to see his image reflected in that person and that really is a hard thing for us as people to judge so we have to judge let the inner witness of the holy spirit do the leading and the guiding and the teaching for us the other thing is we must know what the word of god says about certain things in order for us to understand what our our responsibility toward god is but god our purpose here is to allow god to teach us how to love teach us how to obey him how to be responsible believers how to be the people he desires for us to be every single day do we bear fruit for god every single day i used to think that god would use us a little bit here and a little bit there because that was my experience and when i say use us i mean as believers i'm not talking about what i do as a minister because i purposed in my heart to be everywhere god wanted me to be and do everything he wanted me to do a long time ago so it was really not too much of a challenge for me uh to not get involved in these you know people who uh oh you know your ministry's really gonna take off and really gonna you, you understand what i'm saying to me that doesn't even register what does take off mean really gonna take off like it's not doing anything i'm doing the will of god i don't know about you but i'm doing exactly what god tells me to do every single day i've heard ministers preach and say oh you know so-and-so's had a ministry for 10 years and it's never grown more than than a handful of people and they are not called really where are you judging from you understand i would never go up to tell somebody to you know shut this down because it's not enough people for who 
You understand what I'm saying? There are people who minister faithfully. There are people that go to nursing homes and they may sit there and maybe one or two people say they want prayer, but they've been going faithfully for 20 years. Why? God told them to do it. As long as you're being, and see, to me, this is learning to love. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. He who does the will of the Father, that's the person I know. See, they've got the fruit that demonstrates that they know Jesus. Amen? They have the fruit. Large is not always God. I remember somebody preaching that over 30 years ago. I was a brand new Christian. And I heard, you know, they'll say God is big, but big is not always a sign of God. You understand what I'm saying? Anything that that tantalizes the eyes, anything that you can visually see. You know, in order to judge people, you really have to pray and ask God about individuals. You can't go by exactly what you see and assume A or Z because our natural senses always deceive us. But God will give you a witness on the inside. He'll give you peace on the inside about people. He'll give you understanding about who they are. He'll give you a, a report about who they are. He'll give you uh, um, ways to judge, uh, how to encourage them, which direction uh, to encourage them in and not to flatter people and not to discourage people, but to encourage them in the way that God wants them to go. But you got to dig a little deeper in order to get that kind of understanding. You got to pull that out uh, from the the you know the the um, maybe exterior that you see. You have to look uh, beyond that. You don't. You can. We can't judge each other by our mistakes, and we can't judge each other by our our shortcomings or things that we don't like about people. We have to judge them by the fruit. And God is the great fruit inspector. He can uh, share with you inside of people who they are, what they're about, what He has put in them that that He wants you to help encourage that to be cultivated and to be brought out in spite of their protests in spite of their you understand what i'm saying you gotta you gotta look that's what what knowing fruit is all about to me it is anyway there's something in people that jesus has placed there that he that's who that person is you know the faults that we see in each other that's not who we are you got me? The shortcomings, that's not who we are. Uh, there's more to each and every one of us than what meets the eye. And, and sometimes we get, we trip up on our own, uh, abilities sometimes, trying to get them to manifest the right way. And, and so we need help with that. You know, you need people who, who see what, what others do not see, who can, can, um, uh, vouch for what God has placed in you and can encourage that. You know, if we only got correction all the time for uh, mistakes and stuff like that, we couldn't go very far. But you need teaching and you need training to pull out what what is good in you, and and sure discourage the things that don't don't add to to your call, but definitely um, understand who people are by the Spirit of God and let God show you. 
what people are and, and, and how they are. You know, uh, God's had me bless people that, that have, you know, gone and backstabbed and stuff. Well, that happens to everybody who steps out in faith and <laughs> tries to encourage somebody. You know, you encourage people in their gift and their calling and, and, uh, they think you're picking on them and they never flip it around or pray about it and get to understand what God's trying to do. You understand what I'm saying? How he's trying to help them, uh, to be everything that he wants them to be. They think they're supposed to be this over here and God wants them to be this right there. And you try to make them sit and listen to God and get encouraged in what they are and they think you're being mean to them. You understand what I'm saying? Because they've already given up on themselves. You got me? And, and so, you know, people are like that. So as ministers and as Christians, we have to kind of help that, you know? Well, that's Jesus teaching us how to love. See? When you encourage what's good in somebody, that's love. It's nothing else but love. You know? There's some people, uh, who are just prophetic people. They just feel God. You know, deeply and, and, uh, wanna, uh, like Mr. Gary's always wanting to dance before the Lord. Prophetic people do that. They feel God more deeply in some ways, you know, than we think is normal. So to put him in a setting where that's discouraged or in one of those churches where they tell you, shh, be quiet, sit down, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. That would be a killer for somebody like that. You understand what I'm saying? And that's all I'm trying to say is, is there are things in us that we, in the spirit of love and, and yielding to Christ, need to learn how to find those things in people so that we can appreciate who people really are. We have to do that. Other than that, we won't, we'll be guilty of not letting the Lord teach us how to love. Cause many of us are very comfortable seeing the negative, putting a person in a category, put them in a box, never let them out. Huh? And never let them be who God called them to be. We are not the sum total of our sins, our errors, our past, our mistakes, our anything. Because in Christ, our sins are forgiven. You're not to bring that up to anybody, whether they confessed it or not, because you don't know if they confessed it or not. That's how we get in trouble, (laughs) picking in somebody else's beeswax, and we don't know God well enough. But while we're examining somebody else, he says, examine yourself. Amen? Just examine yourself. God, you know, I I, want to be better at this. Can you help me to be better? I want to drop feeling like, I don't like feeling like this negative about everything and everybody. I want to feel good about, number one, myself and about other people. And God will help us through the spirit of love. He will help us to do everything that's uh, before us to do. So Jesus is saying here, he said, you are going to see some people who have my power on them. We did cast out devils in in your name. And we prophesied in your name. See, this is a person who thinks that what they do is more important than what they allow God to do in them. See, what you do, you can do anywhere, anytime, 
that the anointing's upon you. You know, we, you can be the biggest minister in the city. All you gotta do is go around people who have a need. And God will use you left and right. But if you haven't allowed Him to put you in positions that He wants to put you in so that His love can be developed in you, it has to be developed and not under your control. See, many times we want to pick and choose where we go, who we like, who we're around, what we do, what we don't do, what you know, all this kind of stuff, because we think we know how to order our lives. But if you will let go of that and let God put you wherever he wants you to be, it will shock you the things that he will pull out of you and what you will learn about yourself, about humanity, about other others. It, 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 and, and see, this is how we learn how to love. We gotta let go and let God have everything. You can't reserve a little bit for yourself just because you don't want to lose control and you don't really trust and you don't know what's going to happen if you do this and do that. If God tells you to do it, you gotta have enough confidence in Him to go ahead and do these things. See? And so if we understand what we're here for, We're here to learn to love. We are. Because just being here on our own, we will go for ourselves. We'll continue to be selfish. We'll, we won't let God have an open door to our hearts. We won't grow any. We won't learn anything. And so God wants us to teach. He wants to teach us about who He is. Teach us to be like Him. Teach us to not be so controlling. Teach us to be trusting. And teach us to be vessels that he can pour into and pour out of at will. At his discretion. And it's, it's, it's not a life where you can control anything. So we are here to learn to love. Doing the Father's will really is love. It's loving God. As we love him, we allow his love to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So the first part of learning to love is loving God and being open and at his disposal for anything he wants us to do. Amen. So what does that mean to be at his disposal? Well, that means you're your prayer, your words, and your expectation should be, God, whatever it is you have for me, I want to be obedient to that. I purpose in my heart to be obedient to whatever it is that you have for me. And you have to understand that you can't be fearful about whatever he has for you. Amen? Because then you won't be expecting him you won't be expecting to give him the freedom he wants to give you. See? It's whatever he has in mind for you. Like there was one time I told God, I said, God, whatever you want me to do today, I'll do it. And I saw this young lady with a baby standing on a street corner. And so I went into, into the gas station and when I came out, she was right there behind me and she asked me, she said, um, can you tell me if, if there's another bus coming 
she said, I need to get over someplace. It was like a half hour away. And, and she said, I got off that last bus, she said, and I think that bus driver said, there's no more buses that go anywhere. So here she's stuck and she got a baby. So I told the Lord, I said, okay, God, okay, okay, God, okay. So I don't have a baby seat. We're riding dirty, you know, all of you know, so we get the car. I find out she's got some arrest warrants. I said, Lord have mercy. And, but she needs to get to court because the court closes at a certain time. She said, well, I think I have all my money and everything I need. She said, if I could just get to the court. And she said, so we got her to the court. And I said, what are you going to do after court? She said, well, she said, could I use your phone and call my aunt? She'll come and pick me up. I said, you sure? Yeah, yeah. She said, yeah, thank you, ma'am. You've done enough, really, you know, and so forth and so on. So afterwards, after, you know, I do the Lord's will and get her there and everything. I even gave her money. I said, don't, don't just be around with no money. You know what I'm saying? Cause I don't carry cash. I happen to have cash that day. All the whole nine yards. And I told the Lord after this ordeal was over. <laughs> no. I said, okay, God, you got me. <laughs> and, and so I had a good laugh with the Lord about it. And, and it's interesting that God will take you at your word and he will put you in situations where, you know, if you tell him whatever you want me to do, you know, I'll do it. Uh, my suggestion is just don't pick up random people. Come on now. You don't you don't do this on your own. You understand what I'm saying? See, this is mistake many times people make instead of making yourself available to God. You'll go out and try to do something that looks nice. Like Christians do and wind up getting yourself in trouble in some kind of way because you're not being. See, the whole thing here is not about doing something you don't want to do, but it's giving God the freedom to use you however he wants to use you. Got me? And so the test for me after that was, do I continue to pray this prayer Because who wants to be a taxi service? You understand what I'm saying? See, God gets us to where he proves if we really mean something. Because he'll give us something unpleasant to do. Or maybe not what we had in mind when He we said, anything you tell me. And then he'll wait and see if we'll pray the prayer again. Because we're scared of him making us do this every time we, you understand what I'm saying? He gets us. He gets us. Because he, if you're gonna, you're gonna deal with God, you gotta be sincere. And you gotta be, um, really letting him have the freedom he wants to have. You understand what I'm saying? So I didn't pray that prayer again for a little bit. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. Because that's the way carnal minds work. It didn't hurt me to do that. It didn't kill me to do that. I should have immediately thanked God for the opportunity and encouraged myself. But instead I got into a little bit of shock. Wondering 
If this is the way it's going to be every time. And then I got ashamed of myself and I finally repented before God. I said, God, you know what? This isn't right. My whole thing wasn't right. I said, whatever prompted me to pray that prayer probably wasn't right any either. But I want to be right now. You understand what I'm saying? Get it straight. Get it right. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be gullible. And don't be a guilt-ridden worker. Be somebody who learns to love. And if you love God, you'll do what needs to be done. I felt so bad for that young woman. Here she is trying to do the right thing. She jumps on a bus, trusting that she'll be able to get there, and then the bus runs out. You understand what I'm saying? And with a little baby, who's going to pick her up? Somebody might pick her up. She's by herself. So, so we have to, you know, God will test us in these things, folk. And you got to, to turn it, turn back up again the next day asking to be used. If you're going to be sincere before God, you've got to let these experiences run their course, show you what God wants to show you about you, and then allow God to use you further and continue to use you. Amen. One of the ways God always uses me is with healing because there's so many sick people out here. You understand what I'm saying? When we started our healing schools, he began to speak to us about special miracles. He said, always have a prayer cloth. If you look at healing schools from 15, 20 years ago, I still have the cloth. Uh, you know, uh, around my neck because I, he told me that's how to uh, transfer the anointing on there and so forth. And we've always believed for special miracles. Little by little, we've gotten them distributed to people who have been healed through the power of God. All we got to do is is release it to people and God does the healing. We're not... <laughs> We don't even have a reputation to kill. You understand what I mean? We're, most of us are so small. You know what I'm saying? And so we just have to learn how to be obedient to God. So first step in learning to love is learn how to obey. Amen. Learn how to pay attention to what God is telling us to do. Learn. Amen. We have to, we are here to learn to love. That's what we're here for. In Matthew 11, let's go there. And, uh, 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a burden. To try and live this life without being 100% obedient to God. You're going to find yourself biting off more than you can chew. You're going to find yourself uh, trying to do a lot of things that are impossible to do in your own strength. So after you've tried to do all of this without his help, he says, come to me, all you that labor. Huh? Labor against me. And are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So that's what he's teaching us. His yoke is the yoke of love. Amen. He says, take this yoke. Connect yourself up with me. 
and let me lead you and teach you in the things that you need to know. I want to lead you and I want to teach you in the things that you can't do this without me. What God is, what Jesus is saying here is I'm not some words in a book. I'm a real person. When he says take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That learning is done in actual living. It's not looking at what the word says and spouting off some scripture and think you got it and think you can make that work for you. It's living with me as a person every day. That's what Jesus considers to be what he wants us to do. That's how we learn. We learn in doing. We learn in stepping out in faith. We learn in uh, getting doors open for us to speak for him, to say things, to help people, to do this, to do that, to do the other. This is how we learn. We learn in doing and following him in the doing. You don't do anything without his leading. He has to be in charge. His yoke, he says. That means he's the leader. When they would yoke oxen up, there was always one that, even though they look matched, there was one that was leading the other, but the other was so good at following, there was no breach in there. You know, it wasn't like he sat there and waited to be yanked. And that's how he yoked with him, where they were stepping together at all times. That, that lead ox by his temperament, feelings, mood, whatever could let that younger one know, the follow know what he was about to do and that follow readily obeyed. You got me? To, to fight against a yoke means to choke your life off. You couldn't fight against it. You had to stay with it. There's no way for one animal to fight against a yoke. He would go down. He would choke himself. And they taught themselves how to, when that yoke went one way, they went automatically with it. There was no breach in their, in their connection. And there was no breach in their unity. They were like one. And that's what Jesus said he wants for us. He says that that they would be one with me. Amen. So he wants us to be one with him. We're not supposed to be doing anything Jesus doesn't want us to do. Or going anywhere he doesn't want us to go. Or involved in anything. We're supposed to be yoked with him all the time. Well how come I can't have a rest? Why would you? Your life is not your own. Your life is not your own to go and do what you want to do. It never has been. I mean, even before you knew the Lord, you couldn't do what you wanted. You did what the devil told you you could do. You did what he told you was fun. You stayed away from church people because they wasn't no fun. Huh? So you never did what you want. That's an illusion. You never had. You know, people say, oh, you, well, man has free will. Yeah, well, in a sense. If you call free will living for the devil, nobody chooses to live for Satan. We live in deception because we think we're living for 
for ourselves. Yeah, we have the freedom of choice. We can choose anything. But as far as your will being free, that's debatable. Huh? Because if the devil has, if you live in iniquity, the devil's taking your will over. When you get born again, you give your will to God and there's no two ways about it. So you have, you have the ability to choose. Amen. How far that will goes, I'm not real sure. But you know, if, if you think you have a will that operates independent of, of either master, that's not right. The Bible tells you, you gotta serve one or the other. Amen. So you're a servant no matter what you may think you're free. But you're serving. Amen. You are serving. And so when we understand who we are and what we're doing, then we'll begin to learn how to cooperate better with God. Because you don't have anything that he doesn't allow you to have once you're blood bought. So the easiest thing to me is just to submit to his leading. Submit to do his will. Every day, 24 hours a day, if you're already doing his will and you feel pretty good about it, do more. Amen? So you can feel real good about it. (laughs) But let us not get weary in well-doing. You know, don't get tired of being obedient to, to God. Don't think you need a rest from obeying God. Don't think you need a break from obeying God. I was talking to somebody, they, they were, Telling me, I, I, it's, uh, I did some business with them and they sent me a text and said, Oh, you know, I, I have a, a free trip to give you somewhere. They said, and I said, I don't do trips. I said, Oh, you don't need to get away. I said, get away from what and where would I go? You mean get away from God? <laughs> Seriously? You know, I mean, come on. I want to tell you, wait till you get my age and see how many trips you want to start taking to get away from God all of a sudden. Man, I'm trying to cram as much obedience to God in the years I have left. And you understand what I'm saying? Some people, they don't know. They think life is about having vacations all the time. If I'm not there by God's or, you know, God ordained, I don't go. You know, even when I was married, uh, my husband and I, we looked forward to our vacations when we were sinners. <laughs> you know, first I got saved and began to believe God for him. And after a while, neither one of us, you know, we go on vacation and go for a week. And after three days, we'd look at each other and say, mm, we could have been at home. Now we gotta tough it out. We don't have, there's nothing else to see here. There's nothing else to do here. You know? At home I could cook when I wanted to or didn't have to cook. Everything's a hundred dollars when you go out to eat. They don't cook as well as I do in some things. You know? So, I mean, seriously. Illusions are just that. They're illusions. And so we used to live in the illusion world and you start living in real world. Now, if you want to go on vacation, go on vacation. I'm not going to begrudge you nothing. I'm talking about me. What's right for me? And I'm telling you, at my age, I don't have time to waste doing nothing God don't ordain for me to do. You understand what I'm saying? No wasted moments here. It's been that way for many years. 
I remember when we first moved here to Detroit, the business, you know, our, the companies had to scrap for business. And if you had good business, you worked, period. My husband didn't get a vacation for many years because their business was scarce and they were fearful it would get away from them. So they just kept them working. And so, you know, these are things that that come and go in life where you can't. Look at your life as I have a right or I've earned the right to this, that, or the other. You have no clue what's going on in the real world, folks. Most of us don't. And so, and that's why you need to be yoked up with the Lord and everything. You gotta let Him show you what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And I'm not talking about being religious or, you know, better than anybody, standoffish, critical, you know, and this isn't naive. This has to do with understanding. If God doesn't have you doing something physically, if he has your attention, he's speaking to you and teaching you things. There's a lot of teaching that goes on in your spirit where you don't have to be moving around all the time. You don't have to be running here, there, and everywhere all the time. You don't have to be doing this, that, and the other all the time. You understand what I'm saying? You can be still and know that he's God. Amen? You can let things go and allow God to undertake for you and begin to build knowledge in you so that that things can go the way God wants them to go for you. Be careful how you spend your time. You know, even what you consider to be free time. Be careful how you spend it. Because those things that are given over to the Lord, he knows when you need to go do something recreational. You don't have to fight him for the right to go, you know, look at a movie or uh, whatever you think you want to do. Of course, if you go to a movie and you can't come to church, you've got a problem. You understand what I'm saying? There's a problem there. There's a problem of, of priority. There's a problem of, of devotion. Uh, there's a problem there. And so we have to understand these things. Every single minute, every day you're being tested, did you learn to love? You learn to love God, you gotta do what He tells you to do. You gotta do that first. You can't go do something else and then, oh yeah, well God, uh, it's okay with God. You better pray it's okay with Him. If you gotta defend that and say it's okay with God, there's something wrong there. You gotta know it's okay. People who obey God know if they're doing the right thing or not. It's no argument about it. Amen. Where you gotta wrestle and, oh, well this is okay because God gives us this and if you're in the, if you're in that mentality, you're already messed up. Amen. So go back to the drawing board, get it straightened out with God, allow God to get your life in order because it's important. Amen. It's very important. So, <clears throat> What does it mean, though, to learn to love? Let him teach you. We must allow him to lead us through all the affairs of life. There is no area of your life that God should not be in charge of. he got to lead you. I remember once um, uh, my husband was always a jazz fan. And he hadn't been to a, a jazz concert for years. And all of a sudden, one one. One night he wants to go, go to some jazz thing. 
So I told him, I said, ah, let me pray about it. You know, so he knew when I said that. See, this is the thing. When you're led by God, you don't use that as a excuse to manipulate somebody. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people say they're praying about things they're not. A lot of people say, you know, uh, uh, they use it as a weapon to have their way. To hold it over somebody's head. I'm not going to just automatically do what you tell me to do. You know, God tells me what. That's what it says in some people. But I felt to pray about it. Got me? Because I felt to pray about it. So the Lord said, oh, okay, go. He said, but when I tell you to leave, leave. So that's what I told my husband. I said, you know what? God told me. To go, I said, but he also said when he tells us to leave, we need to leave. And so he said, okay. And we went. And sure enough, there was a, you know, the concert was fine for a while. We heard so many crazy new age sayings and, you know, and it, and I could tell he wasn't really enjoying it as much. And, uh, he used to go when we were sinners and in the world, he'd take, you know, his uh, smoke with him. So he was used to enjoying jazz with the smoke. See, when you're sober, you realize, is this all there is? <laughs> There's a lot less to this jazz stuff than I thought it was, you know. So anyway, we're there and we're, you know. Uh, so all of a sudden, this woman jumps up out of her seat. And she's, you know, we're over here and they're toward the front. She jumps up and she wants to have some words with this man that she's with. And he pushes her and he walks away. But little by little, they move back. One seat, one seat, one seat. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so I just keep my eye on him out of the side of my eye. But um, at the same time... um, this was when Bridget was um, on bed rest with Lil Ryan, her first baby, lived for eight days, and then God took him home. And so um, I think it was Shannon was living with us at the time, and she called me and said that Bridget had gone into labor, and we should pray. So I told my husband, he said, ah, let's just go. So, you know, we'll have some peace about praying or whatever. And so that's how God resolved that. He told us to leave, and we left. You understand what I'm saying? It's so important for us to be obedient to God in the things he gives us to do. You don't stay because your favorite song hasn't come up yet. I don't have any favorite songs from that world anymore. I'm going to say it again because see some of you still holding on to some nonsense from the world. You got me? I don't have any favorite songs from that world anymore. You got me? Now I'm not saying I don't enjoy them, but I don't get wound up about them. I don't have to listen to them. I don't have to have them. I don't have to anything but worship God. See, when you're yoked with him, what he likes you like. What he doesn't like, you don't like. And so Jesus listens to worship in heaven all the time. You think he really likes Al Jarreau or 
Peebo Bryson or you understand what I'm saying? Now he gave them their gifts, but that doesn't mean he's in charge of them. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to learn how to let our souls be converted. See, if I still like worldly stuff, I couldn't be as effective when you get sick and you need prayer. If I'm stuck over into the world in my thinking, what do you think is going to happen for you? Or have you thought about it? Think about it. You really want a minister over you who hasn't divorced himself from the world. See, many people don't even think like that. They think, well, what difference does it make? Because you don't know the difference. Because that's where you live. You live carnal. I don't live carnal. I follow God. That does not mean I don't make mistakes. If you're counting a person's life and the mistakes they make, keep counting because you're going to see a lot of them. Huh? But I'm telling you where my heart is. And my heart is to fill it up with more of God. Not less, more. I don't want time to do this, that, and the other. I just want what God wants for me. And I trust it. Amen? Yeah, trust it. So you've got to let God lead you in all the affairs of worship. um, Affairs of life. In your worship, you must let him lead. You must let him lead in your relationships. You have to let him lead in your work, your career. If he tells you, if somebody looks upset and he tells you to go to that person and ask if you can pray with them, he means for you to do it. And not worry about what the rules are at the job. Amen. You got to know that he's Lord of all. See, you got to know that he's Lord of all at all times. And you have to live under his authority at all times. When his authority is challenged by your boss, by the union, by the government, by whomever, you got to learn to obey him. You can't let these petty things scare you into disobedience. In the things related to ministry, you have to let him lead. See, the reason sometimes we don't get much chance for ministry is we're not being led in other areas of our life. We want to run around, do what we want to do 24-7, and then God use me. Or if he does use you some, he could use you more if you let more stuff go. See what I'm saying? (laughs) See, we're so scared. We're not going to be able to do something. There's nothing wrong with that. I can do that. Yes. True. True, true, true. Or like me being scared if I say God let use me every day, I'd have to be carting people around with their babies every day in my car. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, he'll get you. He will show you where you really live. He'll show you. Now you think you did something big for me yesterday when you did that, don't you? But deep down you're scared. I'm going to ask you to do it again. Because it really cramped your style. See, he'll get the hypocrisy out of us. 
He knows how to do it. You couldn't stop being a hypocrite if you wanted to. But God has just the situation, just the time, just the place, just the opportunity to take all of that out of us. Hmm? In your business dealings, you got to let him lead. Love lets him lead. If you love him, you obey him. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Cross. Oh, what's that? Oh, do I have a cross? Mm-hmm. It's the thing that kills you to do it. Mm. Sure. Jesus couldn't control. He got on that cross and he couldn't come down until the Father released him. That's what he's talking about. Something that nails you down and you can't do your own will. You gotta trust him. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's not your kids and it's not your spouse, it's not your job, it's not, it's whatever he decides it is. So you can't do what you want to do. This life is not yours. I don't think we understand that sometimes. And we don't understand the freedom that comes when you accept the fact that your life is not yours. And the greater freedom when you start to understand God show me how to let go of more stuff so I can be really free. Mm -hmm. You want to be really free. When he leads us, that's when we learn to love. Let everything go and lead. Let him lead. You know, most most people would be afraid to tell their spouses, well, let's not do anything until God tells us we can do it. See, you want to hide that from a person. Because hmm? you're scared yourself you won't be able to do what you want to do. And the truth of it is you won't. Hey, not gonna, you're not going to make that commitment. And then he said, ah, I'm messing with you. Going to do what you want to do. Yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, all he wants me to say is, is I'm gonna let it go. And I remember that, um, I'm trying to think of that guy's name. I still have his book in my, uh, bag. I think I read part of it. Uh, the guy that had the, he got, God was his business partner. It was, I think it was Henry Tam. He lives in Ohio, is my understanding. He's has businesses there, but he was talking about the situation. There was a gentleman that worked in the, his local post office, and he said the man was very slow in his job, and uh, it, he was very frustrated. It was very frustrating dealing with him, and he kept letting it go, letting it go. And then finally one day the guy was so slow and he was just real abrupt with him and, and ang- showed his anger to this gentleman. And, and uh, he walked out. And so God tapped him on the shoulder and he says, you know, you need to ask that man to forgive you. That was not Christ-like to do that. And he promised he would, but he kept going. And so... um 
he said he found out later that the man was let go from the job there. And a couple years down the line, he saw this gentleman. He went to minister at a church, and this gentleman was one of the ushers there. And uh, he's, God showed him again. He said, are you going to obey? You're going to do what you promised to do? Yes, Lord, I will. He got up and, and spoke, but he had another opportunity to speak. And so God tapped him again. Are you going to do it? And so the next time he got up there, he told everybody, he said, if you pardon me, I have something to do. I, God has told me to do this for a long time now, and I failed to do it. I want to get it done now. And he t- asked the gentleman to come up and, and uh, apologize to him publicly, you know, to let him know that he wasn't kind to him, and, and he knew it, and God had pointed it out to him, and how he had rebelled in his heart against God's instruction. He asked the man to forgive him and they just told him, you know, and so forth and so on. And after that, everything was fine. But here's a man that God had made him a multimillionaire in his business just from showing him small things to do. So here God has blessed him and blessed him and he would risk it all for pride. You got me? Just hanging on, not wanting to obey. And somebody who knows God to that degree would would still be vulnerable to be disobedient. You see what I'm saying? He had a wonderful relationship with God. He said he'd always had a, a close relationship. God taught him everything, told him when to do things, and, and he saw that it worked every single time flawlessly. And even with that, he would risk offending God because of one thing. You see what I'm saying? So it's very easy to slip over into the land of being, not being loving. After you've learned some things about love, there's still more to learn, folks. There's always more to learn. So when he leads us, that's when we learn to love. You can't take God's love and want to, uh, treat people nice, like we call it, and pat yourself on the back and feel like you've done a day's work. He didn't tell you to do all that stuff. Most times we're kind to people because we don't want no trouble. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we're overly careful. Because I'll tell you what, most people who, who operate like that wind up when they do get offended or they do get treated uh, unkindly by people, they feel it's so wrong. Well, I don't do anything to anybody. And I, you understand what I'm saying? You know, you got to look at offense as just uh, part of doing business in the world. That's part of living in the world. The Bible says offenses will come. You know, you're going to dislike something somebody says. You're going to dislike what they do. You're going to dislike what they look like, how they smell, what they, you understand what I'm saying? You, you dislike anything. It's part of being in a a, a flesh body. It gets rubbed the wrong way real easily. And you can't stop trouble from coming to you. It's like I'm being nice so I can. It's almost superstitious in a way. I'm not sending out no negative vibes. Because I don't want karma to catch up with me. You know it's just like new age people do. You do the right thing because God tells you to do it. You do the right thing because you want to please him. 
And you keep doing it even though, look at the people that, that get arrested in communist countries because they worship God. You can't say that they're doing something wrong and that if they did everything right, they wouldn't be in jail. Are you kidding me? They're in jail because they do do things right. That they're being led by the Spirit of God. So there's nothing to do with anything. I think we need to quit that. Quit trying to control everything that happens to you by patting it. Some things you don't need to pet. You just need to leave them alone. You understand what I'm saying? God said leave it alone, leave it alone, keep going. Amen. And, and just learn how to live your life for him to please him. If your ways please him, he says he's, he'll cause your enemies to be at peace with you. Not all the time, but eventually. You understand what I'm saying? Even if you fall out with somebody, you let God, you please God and he'll bring it around the right way. He just will. It just will. He's a good God. True to his word. We got to know what he means when he says things, man. We got to quit trying to be something and learn how to yoke up with the Lord. You're going to get some, some persecution. You're going to get some, some bad treatment. You're going to get some, um, wrong stuff happen to you. You're going to get the same thing he got because a servant isn't above his master. And if you try to disconnect from Jesus to make it better for you, I got news for you to get a hundred times worse. He protects us as he leads and guides us. He helps us. He consoles us. He comforts us. Amen. He encourages us. So while our gift makes room for us, love ensures that our gift will prosper. We think gift is everything. It's not. Even if it's a gift of the Holy Ghost and it works like clockwork every time you're in a situation where it needs to work. Love ensures your gift will prosper. If you don't have the love of God and that love will be tested. Man, it's your love. The faith is tested too, but it's really your love. Because love is what faith will keep gets you out of stuff. But love helps you to endure where faith isn't readily available to rescue you. Amen. So love causes us to endure all things. Learning to love is walking with Jesus through life. We must be as he is in the world. You've got to be him in another form. That what would Jesus do would be a good question if people understood what the answer really entails. And I think people finally did start learning. I got to find out from him minute by minute what he would do. You just can't take a blanket uh, response to life and say just do this all the time. You got to find out what he really would do. Learning to forgive and allow the Lord to judge in love is learning to love is learning to forgive and to allow the Lord to judge in all cases. You have to let the judgment of God settle everything. You got to let the word of God settle everything. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. You know, first Corinthians 13 tells us love endures all things. Amen. Hopes all things. That means when it says all things, it means that nothing comes up that gives you an excuse not to. 
In Matthew 18, verse 20. (laughs) Peter came to him, verse 21, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? See, human love has a limit to what it will endure. No, and when we, and some of us have have a shorter limit than others do. Hmm? Everything my husband said he wasn't going to do, I worked real hard to get him to do it. I mean, people just don't like limits. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, not that it's right or wrong. Don't judge me. So you walked in my moccasins. <laughs> Your people call them shoes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but let me tell you, I mean, you can judge it right or wrong. I don't care. You know, it is what it is. But there's a part in you that says, if this person is devoted to me and I'm devoted to them. Why are there limits in? You understand what I'm saying? In our relationship. Why is it that he can glibly say, well, I'm not going to do this or I'm never going to do this. Or if the situation calls for it, if you're in a covenant relationship, you know, never should be taken out of that. You know, I would just look at him and I said, well, you know what? Never's really a long time, isn't it? And that would confuse him. You know, his devils. You know, devils like to control things. They like to renege on covenants. They like to keep you on edge because of what they won't do with limitations. And you understand what I'm saying? And so you have to root those things out. If you want a relationship to be pleasant and fruitful, you gotta re- root the nonsense out. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, those vows, wedding vows don't say, well you, uh, uh, forsaking all others unless you find somebody you like better. Huh? For better, for worse, until they get sick and you tired of being taken care of them. Come on folks. Now everybody's got some kind of built in exception to the covenant of love it's a love covenant love doesn't put limitations on anything love doesn't put the stops on anything god doesn't limit what he'll do for us he doesn't limit forgiveness he doesn't limit grace he doesn't limit anything he just says come to me you understand what i'm saying Oh, I think that was a baby come to me. Who was that? No, uh, okay, see? <laughs> That's some jazz devils. No, but you know what I'm saying. You know, you had them things in the back of your mind, but you're not thinking about them all the time. Come on now. They're just lodged in there because they got stuck in there some got away. But, uh, <laughs> praise God. But you don't live for that. You understand? You don't worship that. Come on now. So when, when Jesus told him, what did he tell him? He said, I to you not seven, but seventy times seven. Amen. In other words, don't keep count of the offenses. 
Well, I'm the one who's always saying I'm sorry. How come I always got to say it? Amen. Well, you know, anybody who learned how to do it without limiting it is guilty. People who are not guilty haven't tried it. Because they don't operate in forgiveness. Most people don't. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest with you. Most people, they don't go to people and say, well, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that to you. Or or they'll do it here and there. And you got to make a habit of this. Jesus wants you to keep peaceful relationships with everybody. Peter wanted forgiveness to be a special occasion thing. Where he can count them up. And when he felt fed up, he could tell the brother off or something. You understand what I'm saying? And and that's what we all want to do. We want to put a limit. Well, I don't want nobody walking all over me. Why not? If God tells you to do it. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at it the wrong way anyway. Nobody's walking all over you. That's the devil talking to you. First thing he'll tell you is, oh, you start this stuff, they really gonna get out of hand. You start this forgiveness stuff, they gonna take your kindness for weakness. I've even heard people say that in the church. I say, y'all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. You ain't that kind. You know what I'm saying? That mean as a rattlesnake and talking about taking their kindness for weakness. You ain't that kind. Good gravy. <laughs> Some people te- teach their kids to be uh full of strife and and quick tempered and all that kind of stuff, you know, just because they're afraid of trusting God through situations. There are some people who have been grossly misused by the world. And yet they're able to forgive. We're talking small things here. You know what I'm saying? We talking chump change forgiveness. That's what Peter was talking about. And if it's your brother, you should be wanting to keep peace in the family. You don't want to be a person that's striving all the time or petty or small or, you know, always looking for something that's, that's off, off-centered, you know, and, and making a big thing out of it. We gotta learn how to forgive and let things go, you know, just in light of eternity, everything's small. In light of what Jesus suffered, it's all small. Amen. In light of what he did, took took your place in death, it's very small. Amen. So learning to love is walking away from the works of darkness and staying in the light. Amen. Just don't get tempted. Don't let yourself get over there. You know, darkness. And just keep yourself in the light of God. Amen. Hebrews 6.15 talks about the fact that how Abraham conquered. And see, you know, you got to read the full story. <laughs> you know, we see, oh, God made Abraham very rich. Oh, I'll take that. You don't see what Abraham did. All you saw was, first of all, he left everything. 
He yoked himself up with God and went somewhere and didn't have a destination. God just said go. He didn't say stop. He said go. And Abraham kept going until God stopped him. Got me? He didn't stop and pick what he thought looked nice from the natural. He didn't have anything in mind that he really wanted. Oh, I just got to live in, you know, I said, got to be there. I got to be. No, he didn't have that in mind. He went wherever God told him to go and kept going until God said stop. So in Hebrews 6, 13, for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater he swore by himself. You gotta know the power of the one that you're yoked up to. See, Jesus is the highest power, so why would we not want to yoke up with him? Why would we not want him involved in every area of our, why would we not want to follow him everywhere he goes? He, he will be successful in everything. He will dominate in every situation. He will keep fear away from you in every situation. He will give you victory in every situation. He will prosper you in every situation. Why would you not want to yoke up with him? But yet and still we're always afraid he's going to ask us to do too much and we won't have a little stuff for us left over. I want two two bags of marbles and he's only going to let me have one. Huh? I can't have what I want in my small little mind, my small little world. Well, he wants you to go all over the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Amen. And we can't get off the ground just, you know, where we live many times. I mean, faithfully. But yet, though, then people say, God's going to give you a worldwide ministry. He's going to give you this. Again. <gasps> Did you hear what he said? God's going to do this here. Yeah, but you got to start around the corner. Oh, yeah, there, huh? okay it's boring well you just have well jesus is bored too then if you're bored you understand y'all just gonna have to be bored together say well at least i got company god's with me huh if i'm bored i got company because god is certainly with me in this and he'll teach you how not to be bored he'll teach you how to live out of the fruit of the spirit but it says here that that um, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. See, that's what you're here for. Learning to love is learning how to patiently endure. And that doesn't mean be grumbling, complaining, mad, threatening. You gotta know you're waiting on something real, number one. You're not just sitting around bored doing nothing. You're waiting on something real. God has promised you he'll care for you. He's promised you. If you don't know what he's promised you, get in the word and find something. Say, God, I'm going to read to you. Stop me. Huh? I'm going to read until you tell me what it is. You know, you need to press in. He, he's, you're not going to get this in a casual relationship. This is committed. You've got to be as committed to him as he is to you. And so when you let him have everything... And you learn patient endurance is a part of love. Oh my. Oh my. 
I can get mad at my husband and tell him off when he didn't mess with my mind and <laughs> my pocketbook and <laughs> Oh, Lord, I got the patience of Job around that. That's the purpose. That is definitely the purpose. God doesn't want unstable fly-by-night bride. He wants stable bride. Amen? Somebody he can show off to the world. That's what he wants. You know, I know when, when, uh, early in our marriage, you know, if I, we, my husband and I would go somewhere, he'd be on one side of the room, I'd be on the other, and he'd look at me from across the room and wink, and I'd get up and run over, and he said, I just had to say hi to the prettiest girl in the room. Huh? That's the way Jesus feels about us and more. And more. He wants to show us off. He wants to adorn us with his spirit. With his essence. With who he is. With his light and his love. So he can show us off to the world. And the world will want him when they see us. That's what it's about. It's not about us doing everything and being everywhere and being a big name and being this and being that. It's about them wanting him when they see us. And that's really what, when you let him teach you how to love, love him first. He'll teach you how to love people. You don't have to just go to somebody and hug them all the time and be all phony and stuff. Because when you don't feel so huggy, then you got a problem with them. You got me? You just have to learn how to be obedient to God and just let him settle these things. Amen? All right. Well, Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Lord, thank you that we are here to learn to love. It's going to be what you hold us accountable for at the end of it all. So we thank you, Lord, for blessing us, helping us, training us, teaching us. Getting us dressed up in the finery of the Spirit of God. In your light and your love. And we honor you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God.